It's not about magic, because it's about talking to each other. All right, you got that. But I grew up in Florida, so I actually know how to use it to get your fish. But I'm after a horse. Seriously? What? Junior cowboy camp. <laughs> Pheasant. Tree. Junior cowboy camp. Timber! Bravo! Bravo. Bravo. That's it. We pass. After you chop the tree into firewood, whip us up a little grilled salmon. Some honey pheasant. And take turns blowing the horse. Welcome back, everyone, to Physical Kids Weekly. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And we're here this week to talk about episode 106, Impractical Applications. This one was written by Leah Fong. Um, there's two major plot lines in this episode. The first is a weird sort of hazing ritual that Margot and Elliot put the first years through before sending them off to break Bill South. The second one picks up Julia's story where we left off last time. With Julia trying to regain entry into the magical world, and this time with the help of a woman who turns out to be Katie's mom. At its core, I think um, this, this episode really isn't about magic. It is about relationships, like romantic relationships, friendships, some that are a little harder to define. So like the Penton relationship and the, uh, what are we calling it? Are we calling it Coolia or JD? JD, right? For? For Julia and Katie. Isn't it Wickoff? Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, like I the- mean, <laughs> back back in the day, it was just the simple G. <laughs> okay, well, JD or Wickoff, whatever we call it. Um, before we get too far into it, though, I just want to know what you thought, Danny. Did you like this one? I love this episode. I think this is like the episode where I really, really started to get into the show. Oh yeah, yeah. What were the things that really like struck you that really stood out? Oh, I. I love it. I love uh, seeing. Um, it's like first glimpse of seeing Elliot and Margot kind of like rule over people, being very regal. Yeah, they really are in their element in this episode. <laughs> like, I think like half of my notes are just Margot on point, Elliot on point. <laughs> oh yes, yes. I mean, we'll talk about it more when we get into fashion. But oh, yeah, I love it. I also love. I love the line at the very beginning where they like. For one, Quentin's performance is hilarious because oh he God. like he tries to throw a book at what he thinks is a ghost. Oh yeah! Oh, it was so great. <laughs> and but when they like say that they're gonna sacrifice the virgin, and he's just like, "I'm not a virgin, <laughs> you guys." It's like one of the funniest things ever. Yeah, and I was thinking about how. Um, again, not a major spoiler, but like in season two, there's that callback to um, a character who shall not be named calling Margot a virgin. And oh, her, yeah. like, doing the same thing. And I, I I, hadn't remembered that about this episode. It was really cool to be like, oh, there's this, they're, like, drawing this weird parallel, this cool parallel between Margot and Quentin. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, in the books, I think Quentin was also had some weird, like, moment where he talked about how he wasn't a virgin either. <laughs> yeah, pro- it probably was with Alice, because that's one of the big things I remember about season one. And that sort of struck me again in this episode was how many of, like, how many scenes that were Quentin and Alice became Quentin and Margot scenes in the first season. Yeah. Um, and, like, the whole, like, Margot being the one who um, is super into Fillory um, alongside Quentin. I think in the books, though, they were all a lot more into Fillory because I remember Elliot was as well, and in the show, he's not. They were, but I think, like, Quentin and Margot bond over Fillory in the show in a way that they don't really in the books. Yeah. I, I think they had to find kind of, like, a something to to build their relationship over because, mm-hmm. honestly, like, in the books, it's more like Quentin just thinks Janet's hot, and that's pretty much about it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, she doesn't, I mean, in the books too, she's... I mean, uh, he's, Leb's even admitted to basically making her, like, a flat character until, like, later on. (laughs) Yeah. So I agree with you. I think this is a really good episode. Um, And it was funny because when I watched it, I I realized that I had just sort of, like, forgotten about it in, like, just sort of glossed over in my memories, but so great. And I really, really love the whole hazing ritual thing. And I love how much... It is focused on relationships, and I love the fact that it only has two plot lines. It doesn't try to do 20. Um, and, like, I think they did a good way. Sorry, go ahead. I haven't been to a real college. Is hazing, like, a legit thing that people do? I went to a tiny woman's college, so I don't think I would <laughs> I, I would not know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have this, like, vague memory that I, like auditioned I don't know what you call it for like a secret society and there was a hazing ritual but it was pretty low-key it wasn't like this (laughs) yeah well I think they went above and beyond any kind of hazing ritual uh, probably as a joke because a lot of a lot of movies go a little overboard on their hazing rituals like yeah people have died in hazing rituals in like real life but yeah well, also, I, I think right, they went very like they went very like Ivy League, like what yeah. you think that they would do, like skulls and bones. Yeah, I I really liked that moment where um where Team Horny Chupacabras will come back to that later. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> they they finish the first task by cheating, um, and then Elliot comes up to them and is like, uh, "Too bad, I know you cheated," and then like keeps the two that cheated and ushers off the third guy, and it's like, "Haha, thinning the herd." I think the point of like all of the things that they do together is to work as a team and then Penny yeah. and Quentin finally worked as a team to get that and then yeah. the second the second like uh task is also them working with each other. Yeah, and I think that's why I think that's why I like this episode so much because it 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 doesn't deal it it deals with their storylines individually a little, but it's really about them as a group. Um yeah. and I feel like a lot of the ensemble episodes we've seen, they're not ensemble in that way. They are like, they're just trying to, they're trying to like get everybody a little bit. Um, And I don't know. I just, I really liked this episode because it was so coherent and because, um, because you still got to talk, you got to talk to everybody. You got to see everybody's story, but it all felt like it gelled. Alice also kind of finally started to feel a little bit more like Alice. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Same, I, I guess. And then Quentin kind of like came back into him being himself because he's in and out of character in the first few episodes, I think. Yeah. I feel like 
the Julia storyline, I, I was a little bummed by because I think it's like I think it's a good storyline. But when I was like looking for clips, there aren't any really good clips. Like they don't give her any good lines. It it was really it was really intense. It for was her. yeah, like, nonstop intenseness. I do love like her going into the bar and like basically like threatening. <laughs> I thought you would. <laughs> yeah, and I was then, thinking about you. I almost pulled that one, but it just didn't have quite enough dialogue. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Julia when she's angry. I think she's more fun that way. Yeah. She was also, uh, we'll get to this when, when I'll, I'll describe it when we get to fashion, but she was wearing an outfit in that scene that so reminded me of something you would wear. So. <laughs> I love her outfit in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. There are a couple things that I want to make sure we get to. Um, so the first thing I think, I just want to talk about the fact that there really were a ton, a ton, a ton of um, relationships that we saw. So we saw like the sort of the quintessential ones. We saw like the Quentin and Alice one. We saw Penny and Katie, which are like the big romantic relationships. But then like you mentioned before, we also saw Quentin and Penny working together. We saw Margot and Quentin like getting some friend time. And we saw like the very, very beginning of the Katie-Julia relationship. It's so funny after having watched season two, like coming back and, and watching them really have this like acrimonious thing going on together. Um, when they I, really don't like each other. Actually, the Katie Julia moment is so beautiful when she's like the bitch from the safe house. And she's yeah. like, if you're trying to like, <laughs> you know, yeah, if you're trying to insult me, you're going to try again. <laughs> I like love that. that part. <laughs> like, oh, so great. She's like, I don't take bitch as an offense. Thank you. Yeah, well, and just that, like, right, like, I, I think one of the things I, I like about Julia in this episode and that I really like about season one Julia is she's just, she accepts who she is mm-hmm. <laughs> completely, right? Like, she knows that she's not great or perfect, but she's but she accepts that, right? Like, she doesn't have any illusions about herself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really liked that. Um. So I did actually one of the first clips I wanted to play was that um the Kobayashi Maru clip, the one um with Penny and Quentin at the the trials. So I'll play that really quick. We're screwed. How much time do we have left? I don't know. I must have to read a hourglass. This is impossible. Even Elliot said it was impossible. Wait, it's impossible. Actually he said it was practically impossible. <laughs> well maybe some genies can do this. It's what will mean geniuses can be magicians. Really? We have to cheat. They want us to. We've been Kobayashi Marud. Whatever that means, yes. No. <laughs> no way. You're an idiot. We're cheating. Why would... Why would they want us to cheat? Because we're magicians? No. <laughs> no, they just want to see how far we can get. There's no such thing as half a spell. You guys are insane. Supply closet. Five minutes. I've got a plan. <laughs> and thus the entire Penton ship was born. Supply closet, five minutes. <laughs> what I, I thought it was boring when he like shoves him against the wall like two episodes. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. I mean, honestly, it was probably born way before just by the fact that they like they, they butt heads so much and that they're like two sides of the same coin. <laughs> um, but, That's true. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple, there's a couple like little lines in there that I really love. One of them is, is, uh, the, um, the penny line, whatever that is, 
you know, uh, I love it, whatever that is. Like, he's just so into cheating. He doesn't really care about the rest of it, which is funny because as, as practical as I think Penny is, I really have come to see him as this character that just has so much integrity. Like he, he has his, he has this moral code that he sticks to deep within himself. Um, so it's kind of funny to like, see him be the one who's like, yes, cheating. Good. (laughs) I do. I just think he knows that there are certain things you need to do to get ahead. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I think that's definitely. Like, but he also is like super stoked in season two to do a bank heist. So I mean, (laughs) if it's going to be fun, (laughs) And he's super down to just like basically become Bonnie and Clyde with like oh, with Katie. Katie, yeah. <laughs> super down, doesn't care. <laughs> I guess that's not not really until next episode, but still. <laughs> I think he'd do anything for that girl though. <laughs> that's true. Um But it, would she do the same for him? That's I don't know. It's hard. I mean, like, it's funny because they feel- both I feel like she's getting there end of season two. We can't really say too much about that. I don't want to spoil it for people getting there, but still like, I just think she, she has such a wall up that she doesn't, she's not sure. Yeah. And what I was going to say is, you know, they're both survivors, right? Like they both have this, this like tough defense set of defense mechanisms that like keeps them alive and whatever else. But a lot of them are survivors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think like Penny is much more open. I mean, I think he is much more open period, right? Like he puts off this gruff exterior, but right. He's the one in this episode too, who is like, this is not about magic. It's about, it's about communication. It's about talking to each other, which isn't something that I think you would do unless you, unless you like have it in you to be open to that, which is again, like the secret Hufflepuff stuff, right? Like (laughs) he, (laughs) He totally does care about, like, the community aspect of it and the people and all of those other things. Yeah. And I think Katie has a much, much, much harder time, um, like, really being open. Like, honestly, and you see that actually, too, in this episode, in in the scene at the end, um, before they all turn into geese, Mm -hmm. um, where he tells her, like... Uh, I'm not afraid, so I'm going to tell you this. And he goes, oh, no, 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 actually, I am afraid, so I'm going to tell you this. Um, and then, like, bears his soul to her, and she just she just doesn't want to do it. She just can't. She walks away, and, I mean, she does end up telling him this big secret, but she leaves some stuff out, for sure. Oh, yeah, like, she has been using him, but, like, I mean, just... You can tell, like, yeah. she loves him, and yeah. she is keeping that from him. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, the thing's untangled. Like, I don't think but her absolute truth was that she was using him and then the stuff that's going on with her mom, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's I think that's important. You were saying something, though, about how they're, they're all survivors in a way. They are. They, they just have different ways of going about it, like – I mean, Quentin's a survivor in, in the fact that he's, you know, grown up with severe depression and mm-hmm. is still fighting it. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, that was his go-to. And it turned out not to be his, like, big emotional truth. But, like, his go-to thing that he was afraid of telling people was that he'd been institutionalized multiple mm-hmm. times. Obviously, like, Alice has had to survive her batshit insane family, which you see yeah. more of uh, later on in the season. Um they they all have something that they've survived. 
We yeah. haven't really touched on uh, on Margot on Margot slash Janet at all, but we'll get there. I'm sure. Get there. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But. Maybe in season three. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that I just I thought I would mention. I mean, uh, I assume a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are are nerds because. Um, one, it's a little bit of a nerdy show, right? Like, you get into it because you like sci-fi or fantasy. Uh, two, you're listening to a podcast about it. So, you know, go you. Yeah. Um, but just in case anybody didn't know, I, I just – I wanted to go on my Trek nerd rant and uh, explain what the Kobayashi Maru was. Um, so the Kobayashi Maru is is the unwinnable, the unwinnable scenario, the no-win situation. Um, and in uh, – in Star Trek, uh, people come up through Starfleet Academy. That's like the military academy that trains people to be Starfleet officers. And mm-hmm. um, as part of their training, anyone who is looking for a command position has to go through what's called the Kobayashi Maru. They go in this holodeck and do this simulated scenario where there is no possible way to win. Um, like anything you do will get everybody massively killed and it's basically about like figuring out how to how to handle that and like keep your cool and um you know save who you can but also like be decisive even when things are really 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 going wrong um so kirk who captain kirk who is like the main the captain in the original series and in the new movies and whatever else um the one played by chris pine in the new movies um he is the only person to have ever defeated the Kobayashi Maru, and he does it by cheating. He reprograms the hologram, the holographic scenario, so that it is no longer no win. And that's how he wins it. So when they say, when like Quentin is like, oh, Kobayashi Maru, one reveals that he's a Star Trek nerd, which of course he is. Um, <laughs> I mean, Lev is a Star Trek nerd. Uh, so if Quentin weren't a Star Trek nerd, I feel like that would be really sad. Um, but two, that's what he's talking about. He's like, this is a no-win situation and our job is to figure our way out of it. And it's funny because, right, like, one, like there, there's two options. The, the way the Kobayashi Maru is set up, you're really not supposed to cheat. You're supposed to just, like, learn something about yourself and, like, get zen about failure. Um, <laughs> but uh, mm. the lesson that everyone seems to have drawn from it is, is uh, cheaters, cheaters will prosper. <laughs> so that was the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the? Oh, we should come back to this. So there were two teams that got names. There was Alice's, which was Team Fish Punchers. I actually didn't remember what hers was called. So good that you. <laughs> I didn't remember it. I noticed it this time because because like Margot gives her that card and it says Team Fish Punchers on hers. Oh, okay. And then of course uh, Quentin and Penny and whoever the third guy is. Do you know his name? <laughs> I don't know his name, but I know that when I rewatched it, I thought that he somewhat reminded me of the guy who plays um, Abigail's translator. Can't remember. Oh, Rafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of um, reminds me. Of- I was I was trying to figure out if he had like an analog in the book. I don't even know if he was named in the show, but um, yeah. So like those three are on a team called Team Horny Horny Chupacabras. Um, <laughs> it's which, probably it's probably supposed to be that guy that like Quentin like briefly hung out with in the books. Yeah, the guy like, who's his lab partner. Yeah, I, I was thinking he, that too. He hangs out with uh, that guy and then hangs out with the girl that Gretchen. he like. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, the only two people Quentin hangs out with besides the physical kids. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that too. But yeah, so Team Fish Punchers and Team Horny Chupacabras. And like Team Horny Chupacabras became a thing. <laughs> like in many corners of the internet. I, I have to admit, like, I, I think they're funny names, but it became such a thing that I was like, is this something that I should know? And and I Googled it and was terrified. Um that does sound terrifying. <laughs> it turned out not to be too bad. It was mostly magicians' references, fortunately. But there was one video which I turned away from. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dark web, show me horny tuba God. Uh, safe search. Save me. <laughs> um, so that was, like, one thing that I thought was kind of... Like, those are two of the references that I thought were funny. And then there was a third one. Um, so you remember, like, when they first arrive in the illusion spell? Yeah. Uh, you remember what uh, Penny... Or what Margot says to Penny when she asks him to chase down the horse? Doesn't she say something about Catherine the Great? Yeah, she says, I want to get my Catherine the Great on. Did you know what that was referring to? I'm assuming sex with horses. <laughs> you are correct, but I looked it up to try to like to try to like figure out what exactly like the specifics. And apparently, like according to Wikipedia, um, Catherine the Great was uh, well. Let's just say she got down and dirty with a lot of humans while she was alive. Um, <laughs> so it says something like she had 22 male lovers. It says throughout her life, but I feel like I don't even know how you would know that about a person. Um, and that like a lot of them got political benefits from their relationship with her. Uh, a lot of them were a lot younger with her, but it also like spawned a lot of rumors. And among the rumors were that she died while having sex with a horse. <laughs> so that is the Catherine the Great thing. And this is now like, I mean, I guess this would have technically been the first one. Um, but in season two, there's like two more allusions to Margot having sex with horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to seem like part of her character and not just a joke. Yeah. I mean, I, I doubt she's had sex with no, horses, sure but she maybe hasn't. she's thought of it. <laughs> maybe that's her, maybe that's her, her fetish. Maybe Margot's a furry. That would be interesting. Maybe. I'd be okay with that. That would be. That would have, I don't know. I, I mean, I, let's not get into to furry okay. culture. It's very, uh, it's very either like love hate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We'll we'll, we'll stay away from that. <laughs> um, to everybody their own. Uh, so I remember that discussion. Uh, where oh you, yeah, because somebody asked me to ask Lev. Let's not get into that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not that one. The one with Arjun and uh, Jade. And they were just like, and he didn't know what a brony oh, was. Oh, oh. <laughs> and then it, led in, then it led into furries. And then he just like was completely just like, okay. And then like some people were all like trying to bash it. And he's like, just, just let I know, people They were both super life. diplomatic. It was, it was yeah. <laughs> They They care about people. It's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that, this is like one of three, uh, three mentions of Margot fucking a horse in the first two seasons. <laughs> um, if so, anyone's going to fuck a centaur, it'll probably be her. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think, I feel like Margot is, part of it is I think, I feel like Margot is up for anything. 
Um, I mean, Elliot definitely is in the books. I'm pretty sure he like mentions having sex with some sort of creature in the books. Oh, yeah. I think Elliot has sex with a centaur in the books. It might be a centaur. It's definitely not a uh, completely human yeah. um, creature. But yeah, I, mean, I feel like that's a lot of what their relationship is built on, is that they're both up for anything. And, you know, at least until, at least for the first season, um, they're just like the the epitome of, of young and carefree and uh, kinky. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about some of the other relationships. What did you think about the about the Qualis Qualis moments, the Quentin and Alice moments in this episode? They aren't as deep as like some of the future ones, but I did. I, I started to have hints of like feels for them as yeah. a couple. I really love the the scene at the end, where, right before they. Well, I, I love their version of the the last step in the in the hazing ritual um, because they get so deep, right? Like they are both so closed off, which isn't something that we've really fully, I mean, we've seen that with Alice a bit, but we haven't really seen it as much with Quentin so far. Yeah. Um, and I actually thought it was, I thought it was kind of brilliant that, that it was easier for everybody else to, to get through that than it was for them. Yeah. Um, what did you think about Alice's speech about how, like, her her big secret is that she's been afraid to to try? Um, that was like the one part that I was like, oh, this isn't really like book Alice because I feel like she's not afraid of anything. Really, she's just shy. I don't think she's afraid of her her potential because mm. I mean like that's how she gets to break bills in the first place yeah that's true because she is super tenacious and, and she has to be she also at this point like she does know about Charlie now but it's like in the book she like doesn't really know about Charlie until later mm. but it doesn't really prevent her from studying or anything yeah it's just that we're in a very different moment like the build up is so different from the books though at the same time like yeah. You know. Cause it's like they've already been at Break Bills for like three years when they go to the Break Bill South, so Yeah. And and I guess oh, well, I guess we'll talk about this next episode. Yeah. I'll I'll save for next episode to talk about like when they're actually in Break Bill South. I think that's like kind of one of the it's one of the things I miss is mm. they're with with Quentin and Alice, it's just very rushed. Their relationship's very rushed in the show. Yeah. Um, they were legitimate, like, best friends before they ever thought about getting together in the show. Yeah, and in the show, you only, you really only get, like, two episodes of them even really trusting each other before they become something else. It's funny because, like, they are kind of, like, horny teenagers in the <laughs> book, but, like, they really feel like horny teenagers in the show, the way that they get together. <laughs> yeah, they really do. Um, oh, so I had one more clip that I want to play, and this is the the Margot and Quentin clip. I think it's kind of long, just to warn you. All right. But where's the door, Martin? There's always a door to fillery when we really need it. In the clock? Or the closet? Or oh, my panties? Come on, 
Celebrate. You passed, you dirty cheater. What's the problem? Speak. No offense, you're just not exactly... Warm and cuddly? I know. Do you ever want something so badly and then realize that it's nothing like what you thought and maybe that you are stupid for ever actually even wanting it? Every guy I've ever slept with. Fillory's real. Oh, come the fuck on. It is. Penny's a traveler and he went there and it's real. Look like your head's about to pop off. <laughs> I left those books. You did? Why so surprised? Pretend I was ambassador to the Felorian Outer Islands. But the real thing is not like the story. So what? It's actually totally shitty over there? I don't know. Maybe. Yes. <sighs> At least a little. The thing that attacked us, that ripped the Dean's eyes out, seems like it might be from Fillory. Jesus. That is not totally consistent with the books. No, it's not. <laughs> and that, I just, I I find that devastating. Were you planning a trip there? No, really. Because otherwise, you're literally torturing yourself over a fairy tale. Quentin, you passed the first trial. You live to fight another day. Drink up, go to the party, find someone to bang. <laughs> Celebrate the world you're in, dummy. Come on. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm a little... I am very... Wow, I'm really... Uh... Margo, did you roofie me? I love how much physical comedy we get out of Jason in this episode. Yeah, he's... So good. He's really good. I was thinking about it, especially at the very end when he like turns into a goose and like flops off the building. It's such a great flop. <laughs> oh, I know. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we knew it was going on, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple things that I really like in this clip. I mean, one, I love Margot coming in and like doing the fillery routine the second she walks in the door because that shows that she already knows something that she's been paying attention and she does have some affection for Quentin, which I think is important. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I really like is uh, I really like her comment when he like talks about the beast being from fillery where she says that is not totally consistent with the books. Because <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, I love that line. Yeah, it's like such a Margot way to to address that. Right? Like, she would not get all squishy about it and be like, oh my god, I'm so upset. But I love the, like, that's not canon, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just also was like, wow, that roofie hit him, like, real fast. It must be magical. It... So that clip is two minutes long and he starts drinking at the end, at the end, at the beginning of it, rather. Um, I have no idea how long roofies take to kick in. Uh, let's not investigate that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it does seem like it, it, it happens very, very quickly. I mean, he could have already been drinking, but it doesn't look like it since he's trapped in his room. Well, also she brings in, right, like she brings in the two bottles. So I assume that he got roofied off whatever it was she brought him. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I I really like that because because like it's Quentin and Margot bonding, but they're doing it right like each on their own terms. I love that they address the fact that Margot is not warm and cuddly, but that she still encourages him to like talk to her, that she can she shows that she can be kind even though she can't even though she's not I don't I don't know what it is but even though she's not, you know, full of warm fuzzies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um and I really like that about her. Shall we move on to fashion? Do you have other things you want to talk about? Yeah, you want to talk we more should, about Julia. <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess we should talk about Julia a little bit before we go into fashion, just because, I mean, someone dies right in front of her in this episode. That's true. And in a pretty graphic and brutal way, like, she basically, like, hemorrhages everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think, like, the last three episodes have been this steady stream of, of seeing Marina go from being, like, kooky and... Like, seeing her go from being, like, mean to being vicious to being, like, actually horrible and murderous. Um, and, like, I yeah, think that... Yeah, she's pretty... Yeah, and I think that hits Julia really hard in, like, at each step of the way, right? Like, when she realizes that um, that Marina is serious about the spell that she helped, that... Um, Marina and Julia cast on Quentin and that she doesn't super care um, about the consequences for him. That is a place where like it really jars Julia and takes like takes away her trust in this person who she has trusted. And then when uh, Marina like strips her of her stars and uh, denies her, entry back into the magical world and um, erases James' memory, that hits Julia on a new level. And then when this happens, it's just, right, like, it's just worse and worse and worse. And I think it hits Julia at every point along the way. Yeah. um, With Marina's relationship with Julia, uh, this episode is really, like, a tipping point for me. I was just like, Hmm. personally, I don't think that Marina is a redeemable character. Even at the end of the season, I don't think she's a redeemable character. Yeah, I can see that. Like, and a lot of, a lot of people like to stand up for her, uh, or some people ship them, which I think is really toxic. And I really hate that. I mean, I let people ship whoever they want to ship, but it really, that one is one of one that really gets to me because I just don't, Especially people who ship the three of them, both yeah. Marina, Katie, and Julia. It's hard that it really abusive. gets to me. I'm like, she she killed her mother. Uh, she also was willing to clearly kill Julia because Julia could have all died well. Yeah, I don't think Marina redeems herself in the first season either. It's really hard to make the case for that. Um, I mean, she only helps... Julia later because she has to in season two mm-hmm. end of season one she definitely has like a redeemable moment but is she do I think she belongs in Julia's life definitely not no she's I mean she's literally the last person Julia can turn to and that Julia does turn to her and she isn't a total dick 
doesn't make her a good person. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to fashion. Um, let's see. Let, why don't we start with Julia? Because she has great outfits. And that that outfit that she wears in the beginning where she has that, like, mock turtleneck that also has a bare midriff um, with, like, a jacket over it. I thought it was so great, and it, it reminded me so much of something that you would wear. I would probably wear that. I'm not inclined to... T- turtlenecks but damn like that one looked good (laughs) yeah well and i i didn't think you were a turtleneck person either but like the the way yeah exactly like the way it's cut and the way that it shapes felt so much like something that (laughs) that i think it's because it's not like a complete turtleneck it doesn't go all the way up the neck yeah yeah um were there other fashion choices for julia that you noticed um i really like the thing it's kind of like it's like a purplish top, I think she wears at the end. That's like a jersey cut almost. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's also a crop top, of course, because she loves crop tops. <laughs> she loves wearing crop tops and high waisted jeans, which she look does. great together. It, and it looks so great on her. It's just perfect. It I looks so great because of how tiny she is. Well, and she has and she has like a long enough waist. Like I could never do that because my waist is literally three inches. <laughs> So, like, it does not, like, the bottom of my rib cage and the top of my hips. Mine, honestly, I, I, I can do it just because, like, I used to wear, like, low-cut pants. And I, mm-hmm. I and they look horrible because, like, my belly button to, like, where, like, my bikini line starts is actually, like, a good few inches. So, like, I can definitely, like, use that extra high-waisted. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I is I never wanted to wear high waisted when I until I got much older. Well, they're back in style now too. So they were that's very convenient. They they were looked at as mom mom jeans they for were. a long time. So not now. <laughs> <laughs> this is always the case. I feel like the fashion from from twenty years ago that was like shitty. Twenty years later is suddenly the like the top fashion, <laughs> the best thing you can wear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because it was popular before, and I think that's why moms were wearing it was to, to be cool. But they just didn't realize that it wasn't cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, seems po- that seems quite possible. Um, so, Is your mom thing to do? Yeah. The other really big ones are, of course, Margot and Elliot. Their outfits are amazing this entire episode. Um, yes. And there's, like... I didn't notice – okay, so there's three things that I noticed for Margot and only two things that I noticed for Elliot. So um, for Margot, um, when they – I love when, Elliot's fake mole. Fake what? <laughs> Elliot has like a fake mole on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. um but yeah so like in the scene where they kidnap quentin they're like dressed up in in like greek theater costumes with masks and everything um Uh which is great and then we see margo we see what margo's wearing under that like very briefly in that scene and then we see it um more later she's wearing this like gorgeous um high neck chinese style um silk blouse uh, red and gold silk blouse. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that was a thing in in Margot fashion for a little while was like those the sort of like Chinese style um, blouses and dresses. Uh, and I miss it because she looks yeah, so yeah. good in them. <laughs> the other thing that she wears is... I'm pretty sure she has her hair up with chopsticks. Oh, does she? I didn't notice that. That's great. <laughs> I 
I feel like she does. It might not be in that one, but I know at some point I'm pretty sure she rocks the chopsticks like bun. Oh, that's great. Oh, that pleases me so much, just the attention to detail. <laughs> Speaking of which, Alice, um, so these two Alice outfits, one is like in her pajamas, which is adorable. Um, and the second one is she's wearing another one of these like Peter Pan color shirts with like a teal over or like a teal sweater, but the shirt has foxes on it. It does. It's foreshadowing <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know other people have pointed this out, but I just think it's I think it's such a fantastic such a fantastic nod, like all these little foreshadowing moments. That was the other thing I liked about that quote was the 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 um I used to imagine that I was ambassador to the outer islands thing. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's Margot. Oh no, there's one more. So in the scene, in the illusion scene, which oh my god, they're just so perfect in that scene, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> they, so, I loved it. Yeah. I think that was the first the first of the um tuts that I tried to learn and I still can't get it right. It's so hard. Cause just like getting so, getting that precision on the first step, it just can't do it. I'm so <laughs> shitty at the tuts, just period. Like I try so hard and sometimes when I'm really bored, I'll actually try to do them at work. <laughs> and I just still can't do them. Yeah. That one is the hardest one. But I think me. the only one I can do is like I think the only one I can do is like magic missile because who yeah. can't do that one? That one's super easy. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so in that scene she's wearing this like beautiful like black um sweetheart cut dress with like flowers on it um and then she's wearing like a fur shawl over the top of it she looks amazing amazing. elliot looks so amazing like a prince it's just yeah doesn't she look like it's very they would look she has curly hair. It's like the first yeah. time I feel like we saw her with like really curly hair like that. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. What were you saying though? They look really like French almost, which is funny because hmm. especially Elliot. And Elliot's always like, Oh, I want to be like a French ruler of the Champagne King. He's always talking about France. Yeah, and actually, so his outfit, he's wearing this like white and gold brocade jacket, which is gorgeous and really, really, like, calls out, like, the fashion he gets in Fillory, that is the closest I've seen to it in the first season. Yeah. He's wearing, like, you know, his normal, like, amazing vest and amazing shirt and tie underneath it, but that jacket was the thing that just, like, struck me, because it's, they look regal, that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then they're like, brava, brava. Yeah, well, I love how isn't Margot says bravo, and then um, and then Elliot says brava. So like he's speaking specifically to Jade, I guess, or to, sorry, to Katie, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Who, by the way, Katie as lumberjack, I am totally into it. God, she like just like cuts down this fucking tree, and I'm like, I know she's <laughs> t- like, like you know, fit, yeah. but damn. Like, axes are not easy to pick up. Yeah. Also, I want to play the sound effect of that tree cutting down again, because I'm pretty sure that, like, somebody, there is a human saying something or, like, vocalizing as part of that. One sec. Timber! Do you hear that weird sound? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it almost, it probably almost fell down on someone and they were like, oh shit. <laughs> or maybe somebody just like let a really, really big fart rip while it was happening. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. All that pent-up aggression and lactose. Um, so then, I guess, other for other people, people who aren't lucky enough to be Margot or Elliot, um, this was, like, the height of shirtless Penny. He has, like, this super open shirt. And then, like, oh, that scene at the beginning where he's getting tattooed by Katie and he's... They're, they're naked. Like, they're naked and she's giving him a tattoo. They don't care. <laughs> they don't Honestly, care. like, I feel like... like, I feel like I, there are couples like that. that they, I feel like when they're together, they just, like, lay around naked. Like, Is that the laying around naked... Is that the laying around naked that, that like, strikes me? It's the tattoo part. Like, what I if she I drops that? Remember, I think I actually remember, like, back when it came out, like, people talking shit about, about like, the way she tattooed, just, like, the whole handling of it. They're like, that's so unsanitary. Like, everything's horrible. And <laughs> well, they're magic. They can, the like, magically sanitize it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know, right? There's always an excuse. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... Makes me think of, like, fan fiction. Fan fiction, the magical birth control that people, like, (laughs) come up with in, like, like, Harry Potter fanfic. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That would be good, though. I wish we had that. Yeah. Just, like... (laughs) I'm just gonna, like... like, bless the womb. (laughs) Oh, my God. Have you actually... Have you ever seen... There's this great um, Wanda Sykes... um, act or like a bit um called like detachable pussy yeah i love that so much she's just like yeah wouldn't it be so great if you could just like take your pussy off and like leave it at home and then you could like go out walking late at night do whatever you want um and you'd never have to worry about getting pregnant (laughs) (laughs) yeah other things might be an issue too but (laughs) uh it's a good act go check it out um, any other fashion notes you want to give before we move on to MVP and ranking rating? I don't think so. All right. Well, give me your MVP. Oh, shit. This is hard. <laughs> See, you thought you didn't need time. <laughs> I, oh my God. You go first. <laughs> oh, fuck. It is hard. I don't know. I was, I was thinking about it and <laughs> there's, okay, there's three ways I could go with this. Um, so I could give it to Summer because I think she does an amazing job and uh, we get to see more of her in this episode than we've seen in a lot of them at this point. I could give it to, uh, I could give it to Jason because, because he's Jason and he's amazing and we see so much great physical comedy and also so much like vulnerability and that's great. I also feel like I could give it to Arjun um, for kind of the same reasons, like he, he has, he has a lot of like rangy moments in this, some really good comedy and some really good, like deep vulnerability. I think I'm going to give it to Jason. I think that's where I'm going to land, but I don't know. kind of feels like a three-way tie. (laughs) Yeah. Those were definitely, uh, the standouts to me. Also, Jade was really great. She was. Yeah, she was. Um, Jade was great. Uh, I feel like we should just give it to the ensemble. <laughs> okay, we will give it to the ensemble. <laughs> Does that mean we have to give it to the casting director? Is that what that is? I don't know. <laughs> just like everyone. Everyone, uh, this episode's amazing. <laughs> okay, well, so that should mean you won't have a problem rating it, right? Yeah, I think 
I'm going to go for a 10 out of 10. And I think that might be my first 10 out of 10 for season one. Nice. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear you liked it so much. I also really liked it. I think I'm going to go closer to like an 8 out of 10. Um, just because... Because I know what's coming. Because I know what a corner I've painted myself into already. <laughs> um, yeah, good episode, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. Funny. It's just so funny and deep at the same time. Yeah. I'm going to have to pay attention. I think I, this is the first. I haven't paid as much attention. I didn't pay as much attention in the first season to who wrote the episodes. But I'm going to look out for Leah Fong again. Oh, um, Leah Fong actually ditched us, though. What? She, I don't think I don't think she works for the magicians anymore. She might still work for it, but I don't think she like is a lead writer anymore because she's a lead writer on Once Upon a Time. Oh, but I think she was a lead writer on Once Upon a Time the whole time. She might still be around. We'll take a look. She wasn't a lead one on Once Upon a Time. She just got promoted uh, to that okay. like recently. Because okay. um, I remember her saying something about it on um, Twitter, like look out for like my first lead episode or something. Mm, uh, bummer. I hope she's still around. We'll 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 she, look at it. We'll check I it out. I actually just remember because she wrote the finale for Once Upon a Time. So Oh, did she? All right. I gotta get caught up. I'm like a season. Yeah, and a half which was huge. <laughs> Don't huge. tell me anything. No spoilers. <laughs> Let's just say it's huge. <laughs> huge. If you if you read literally if you literally read any news outlet reporting for seasons seven, like it's going to be huge change up. So. <laughs> All right. Well, kind of I will, excited, I will definitely, kind of... I'll definitely catch up. Um, okay. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's it for this episode then. Thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate us on iTunes. Um, let us know too, what you thought about this episode. Tweet at us at physical kid weekly where it's, it's kid K I D no S and weekly is uh, abbreviated W K L Y on Twitter. Let us know what you thought and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Mind slide. If anyone's gonna fuck a centaur, it'll probably be her. <laughs>